My name is Jared Denny, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Emerald Podcast Network. You are listening to a podcast to be named later. I am uh, Jack Butler here with Gus Morris. How you doing, Jack? Sean Meadow. What's up? We is, will be talking. Is, is it bad that we're in week three now? And we still don't have a name for this podcast. No, it's, okay. it's about Oregon football. It's okay, and I think that alone is fine. We are taking suggestions, so if any if any of our listeners out there have any good uh, good football podcast yeah, tweet at suggestions, us. ODE Sports. Yeah. yeah, please. Explicit things only. Yes, like we said, we will be talking Oregon football. Specifically, we will be previewing the upcoming game against Wyoming. But first, we're going to talk about that Nebraska game. It was a close one. It didn't look like it would be, but, you know, the Ducks kind of offense just went, went cold in the second second half, and it was 42-35 victory over Nebraska. So. I want to revisit something that we said last podcast too. Uh, so there is a coach in the hot seat after after last week's game, uh, and unfortunately, for where Sean are you Meadow, getting this from? It is, uh, not if you listen back to the podcast, like no way week. did I say anything Taggart, close to that. No longer on the hot seat. That is breaking news. You heard it here first. Ducks also got some AP Which votes. Which hot seat are we talking about? Only... Because it's it's pretty cold. If I'm if you ask me, it was yeah, it was already what you pretty said cold. last week. So yeah, like, uh, go back and listen uh, to it, folks. The evidence is in the audio. Regardless, the Ducks, fifteen and zero national Your championship season, still on the line, still alive. So, but in all seriousness, a close game, a tale of two halves. Really, one that was amazing, one that the Ducks barely survived. So, what were your takeaways from the game? Well, uh, I mean, Jack, you and I were there. Um, I mean, I mean, like you said, like you wrote about after the game, it was a tale of two halves. Uh, I mean, the offense was kind of unstoppable in the first half. I mean, 42 points. Justin Herbert had over 300 yards. Was on his was well on his way to to breaking uh, you know the Oregon single game passing record for uh, for an Oregon quarterback. And um, I mean, stalled a bit. You know, maybe they were, they were trying to waste some clock. You know, I mean, you know, you kind of got got to the bottom of it a bit with you know your 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 sidebar after the game. But but yeah, I mean, what. What I kind of kind of took away was that the offense could step up and do what they wanted to do, and then the defense came in and actually won them the game, uh, which is kind of something that I wrote about after the game. Is that the you know this is the first time that Oregon's defense has won them a game in a long time. So I mean it was good to kind of see you know the Oregon, Oregon's offense clicking on all cylinders, and you know we could see how much firepower they had, and then you know the defense really kind of stepping up when it mattered most. So good things to see from both sides. It's just about kind of a kind of about now like putting all that together. You know, putting two halves of good offense together and two halves of good defense together now for the Ducks. And Oregon looked really good, but how about the Nebraska fans? That was pretty cool. That's a little off the field that's thing. Your take I was up on the I was up on the camera deck. Well, that's a big takeaway for me is the the loudness. It just felt like a real big game last year. I never felt that in any game covering at Autzen last season, but this season it started to feel a lot different. The first half on the field now. The first half was exactly what Oregon needed to start the game off. It was perfect from the passing to the rushing to the defense. They were holding Nebraska down. They were doing a great job. Thomas Graham had Thomas Graham Jr. had an interception. Everything was going according to plan. And then halftime struck and the second half comes out and I don't even know what happened exactly to explain how do, how do you explain that because Oregon's not really giving away what exactly went wrong in order for that zero point in the entire second half, but it, it just wasn't flowing. But that's that's how football goes. Herbert wasn't throwing in as much. He threw it what six times in that whole second half. Yeah, eight. 
eight times in that whole and second big difference, half. Sean. Yeah, Sean. two throws. I mean, when you throw thirty-three <laughs> times in the game, it's a pretty yeah. big difference, right? Two. No, but for sure. And players were saying too that like that that you know there, there there wasn't any any one thing that went wrong. You know, I mean, the the answer we got over and over was it's just football. You know, I mean, you know, and and by that people, you know, like they meant that you know teams make adjustments in the second half and I guess whatever Nebraska you know whatever adjustments they made worked out but you know Oregon kind of shot themselves in the foot by yeah. going away and with ta- what worked didn't for them. Taggart say that Oregon made the adjustments it wasn't that Nebraska made the adjustments but no. Oregon had made the adjustments which had been the reason why because it, obviously adjustments were made because they only threw the ball six times but the run game's been so strong for Oregon. Is this a sign that maybe that run game isn't as potent as it was against Southern Utah? Is, was that just a fluke? We'll figure it out. I mean, Voice Freeman's a phenomenal running back, and Tony Brooks-James has so much speed. Can I Benoit's a combination of the both of them? It's it's really something special, this run game, but the passing game is going to have to be what they bring out when they go against Wyoming this weekend. I don't know what specific adjustments either team made Taggart's come out and said that they did the same thing in the second half that they did the first half he said that they didn't see any big adjustments from Nebraska and Mike Riley after the game didn't really say anything regarding adjustments both kind of just said that from the duck side they they started to lack execution and then from the Nebraska side they just sort of strapped down and started to execute so I really think in terms of first half second half offense it was just simple execution. I mean, and also this team shot themselves in the foot. Herbert, who hadn't thrown an interception yet, decided to try and fit a ball into triple coverage. It, you know, really his only bad decision of the game, the only thing that was kind of negative in the game, and then they're driving down, wasting clock, and then they, you know, they get a fumble, and, and then, you know, you get a you get a first down, and then it's a false start, and now you have first and 15. It was just little things that I think – caught this team up and honestly they just started to lose some of those one-on-one battles they were beating nebraska on the outside in terms of wide receivers and coverage and they just started to lose that so i don't you know the defense was winning a lot of one-on-one battles yeah oregon's defense started to win one-on-one battles and nebraska's defense was winning those one-on-one battles too in the second half so i guess off this question it's like how much of a concern would you have because this team went from 42 points on pace for basically like, you know, 84 points, basically smashing every record to zero. And as good as Oregon, as, as well as Oregon's defense played with the pressure on them in the second half, turning, turning the ball over, they're going to be facing a lot better offenses than what they see in Nebraska. So it's like, what is the, what is the Oregon offense? Is it the first half or is it the second half? And can they afford throughout the season to just go cold? I mean, no, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to take away from that game. I mean, again, we've only played, you know, eight quarters of football this year. You know, we have two games, and you know, and the first game was kind of a game, and the second game was a bit more of a challenge. And, you know, I mean, we did see Oregon kind of step up to the challenge and, you know, kind of, you know, rally back from, you know, all, all the momentum being on Nebraska side. But, you know, I mean, I, again, I don't really know if there is that much we can we, we can read in other than the fact that, hey, the Stevens is, is – probably a little better than it was last year probably a lot better better than it was last year and and this offense definitely has has some insane firepower but I mean again we you know I mean I think the Wyoming game will definitely be a good test to kind of you know like get a bit you know a bit bigger of a sample size just to kind of see where this team's at but I mean I definitely agree that there are still a good amount of question marks heading into you know Pac-12 play in in two weeks 
The yeah. Wyoming game is going to be an outlier, though, because of the elevation, because of Josh Allen. It's it's You're going to see players like Josh Allen later this season with Rosen and Darnold. Good quarterbacks. They don't, they well, they don't, don't play. play. Don't play okay. I'm saying in Pac-12, but just in general. I'm just naming a couple who are NFL caliber already, really. Rosen, who Oregon will travel down to play at UCLA, I think that's a different type of test because that's maybe a better overall team. But Wyoming's going to be big for that. But Nebraska, I think overall that's just a big positive because you see what your defense can do late in the game. And Oregon, how many times last season, had to watch from the sideline. The offense had to watch from the sideline as the defense had to try and come up with a big stop. Not just last season, but the last two seasons. And the defense let them down. Now under Jim Levitt, this defense has performed perfectly almost. Yeah, and it's one of the themes I got away from it. It seemed as if Oregon had spent the first six quarters of their season against Southern Wyoming and against Nebraska. Southern Utah. Or Southern Utah, yeah. God, Southern Wyoming. That's like a – I don't even know if that exists. But um, first six quarters of their season – just playing with so much swagger, energy, and swag surfing. It was, you know, that Southern Utah game, Utah, uh, sort of almost felt like this honeymoon game in a way that, you know, it's new staff, it's energy. Everybody's writing about all the energy. And, and once Nebraska started to creep back, you kind of were like, uh-oh, like, where is this going? How are they going to respond? And I think they responded well, and they seemed to kind of come together. They seemed to keep some of that energy, some of that, some of those uh, those good vibes that Tagger just wants to bring. So, And Laurie Shantz is going to hate me for this, but they really played through adversity, and they really overcame adversity. So, um, Laurie, if, if, if you're listening, just just know I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the SOJC professor, Laurie Shantz. But I think Oregon's offense looked good. I think the, the game against Southern Utah was just like a glorified scrimmage. I remember one one fan said to me in the parking lot before the Nebraska game that he thought that that was like playing against Willamette High School. So the real the only real test was Nebraska. So what we see in that game, I think you can value so much more than the Southern Utah game. Wyoming, you're going to value more from your defense, I think, on the secondary, at least that is. Because Tanner Lee didn't have a good game. Take away those interceptions, he still didn't have a good game because... Oregon, they shut him down. But you're playing against a an NFL-caliber quarterback that Willie Taggart says you'll be seen playing on Sundays. Jim Levitt says it's the best quarterback he's had to prepare for in his collegiate career. Six, 13 years, I want to say it was, of collegiate football for him. Somewhere in that. Way that. way more than that. Way well, he's got NFL yeah. years. That's why I was asking, but yeah. – or coming up with – but It's like 20-some years in the, something, in the college. Something <laughs> crazy like that. But – He's had that many years of, of experience, and this is what he's saying, the best quarterback they'll face. So I think that can't be understated. Is just the presence of Josh Allen. Today at practice, they were practicing for that kind of deep ball. DBs running from the 50 all the way back to the end zone, trying to track a, a high, long ball. And I think that's going to be a key part of this game. It could be a shootout. There's a lot that a lot of question marks ahead of this game because there's so much that wasn't answered in, obviously, Southern Utah but still not answered after Nebraska. Hey there, listeners. My name is Alec Cowan, and I'm the podcast editor for The Emerald. In the next section, you're going to notice a dip in audio quality, and that's because we had some technical difficulties while recording. 
but make sure to stay tuned to hear the Wyoming preview and everyone's predictions for the week. Thanks for bearing with us, and thanks for listening. So, officially on to previewing the upcoming Wyoming game, a team from the Mountain West. One and one, a loss, 24-3 to Iowa, and then a victory over Gardner-Webb, a team that I had to Google um, to see. The Bulldogs. Yes, from somewhere in North Carolina, if I recall. (laughs) But an FCS team, so much like the Ducks, one Power 5 opponent and then another FCS team, but instead of 2-0, they're... One and one, they've got a stud quarterback in Josh Allen that we've already talked about a little bit, but he's a projected first-round NFL draft pick. Some people might even think he could go as high as number one. So a, a guy with talent. We've heard the defensive coaches today or Wednesday talk about how he can make every throw. they got to be covering all aspects of the field. they got to sack him early, and if they let him escape, he's a mobile guy that can, again, just hit any point of the field. So on paper, what jumps out about this matchup that you guys are focusing on think is going to be key? Well, so I I didn't spend a lot of time looking at the Gardner-Webb stats just because, uh, I mean, that was a 27-0 shutout. And, I mean, in all like looking at Oregon. Exactly, yeah. No, I mean, it's you really can't draw much from a 27-0 upset other than the fact that maybe they probably should have scored more than 27 points against a team like Gardner-Webb. But, uh but, I mean, that's kind of, you know, the, the Josh Allen in that game, the 22-32, 328 yards, two touchdowns, That that's the quarterback that people are kind of expecting uh, Josh Allen to be this year. Against uh, Iowa, um, that was not the Josh Allen that showed up. He was 23-40, 20 uh, only 174 yards and two interceptions, no touchdowns. Um, and, I mean, I, I, I kind of think that that's just a factor of, you know, playing against better competition. Um, I mean, similar, similarly to what, you know, Oregon kind of did against, you know, just to open their season, you know, against Nebraska and Southern Utah. Um, yeah, I mean, just just, just kind of watching some, some you know, highlights and some, you know, a bit of film on, on Wyoming. I mean, Josh Allen is, is a pretty legit quarterback. You know, um, the one thing that that doesn't really jump out at me is, is you know, the, the weapons he has to use. You know, his, his wide receivers are not very good, and he only kind of targets, you know, two main ones. Uh, Austin Conway and C.J. Johnson have uh, 27 combined receptions, and then there's like, well, there's like 11 spread out between like, you know, five other players. So he really only throws to about two. Uh, so he only throws pretty much to, to two guys mainly. And, I mean, you know, they're they're decent, but... It's not the kind of thing, you know, where it's a really talented quarterback with a lot of weapons to use. You know, he kind of has to manufacture a lot of the offense on his own. Uh, and even the rushing game isn't very good. I'm trying to find the stats now, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, Kellen Overstreet, 21 attempts, 57 yards, is the high on the team, and that's through two games. So, I mean, they have Josh Allen, who's fant- who's a fantastic quarterback, really mobile, like you said. Uh, is really good at, at you know, moving in the pocket, moving out of the pocket, throwing on the run. Really accurate arm as as kind of coaches and you know you said, but yeah I I just don't see a lot of weapons you know for him to utilize which I think could kind of doom uh, Wyoming. Yeah, want to throw this out there before you get to it, Sean. But in two games, in the two games this season, they're averaging sixty two rushing yards per game. So they're gonna throw the ball. They don't want to run it, and it's not very effective when they do. So the Oregon secondary off to be ready. No, Oregon secondary. Has been getting ready too, and so against 
for Josh Allen, at least, when he plays against Power 5 opponents and well, non-Power 5 opponents, he's been dominant. But Oregon playing in the Pac-12, a Power 5 team, he's played against two. Now, Nebraska last year, who Oregon played last week, Oregon also played last year, but and Iowa this season, he's only got one touchdown against those two teams, and he's been picked off seven times. And that means Oregon, who had four interceptions this last week against Nebraska, this season's Nebraska, Tanner Lee picked picked off four times by the Ducks, twice by Thomas Graham Jr., and once by Ugo Amadi, and another by Tyree Robinson. Oregon's secondary might have a big day ahead, especially with Josh Allen, who wants to throw long. He likes to do this this deep ball, and Oregon's been preparing for that in practice, getting the defensive backs to sprint the 50 yards into the end zone to make a play. And I think the secondary, this is a big chance for them. But it also comes up to the line, where you've got Jonah Moy, Troy Dye and Jalen Jelks, who are going to have to try and get in there on the pass rush, try and break some plays up. And Jonah Moy had a big deflection on the throw that ended up picked right at the end of the game for Ugo Amadi to win the game for Oregon. So right now, the way I look at it, it's all about the defense in this one. And I and and that was something that I kind of saw too is that uh, you know I, I, against Iowa, I think Iowa got was it three sacks, two sacks, something like that, but. Uh, they were all they were bringing pressure almost every single time, and it really kind of seemed to, to make Allen uncomfortable. And he was flushed out of the pocket a number of times. And, and I mean, I, I think Oregon, yeah, three sacks against three sacks for Iowa against Wyoming in week one. But that was one one big thing that really kind of st- st- stood out to me is that you know Allen is throwing a lot on the run out of the pocket, uh, and you know Iowa has a has a good you know I mean they have a good front line you know they've they have you know solid defensive pass rush, but uh, I mean, yeah, big test for, for Oregon's pass rush, too, if they can get pressure on him. Yeah, I think Jim Leibitt will be blitzing Wyoming like crazy, just yeah. trying to get Allen off of his spot, trying to bring him down, obviously, with sacks. And Oregon doesn't have that that pass rusher that you have. Faith can put pressure on him every time. But they, they've kind of have, at least in the first two games, a, a sneaky, solid group in the ability to get pressure in. Justin Hollins, Jonah Moy, I mean, Henry Mondu has been able to get some pressure on the interior a little bit as well, which is really important for getting quarterback off of his spot. And, you know, with the ability for him, you know, you want pressure on the outside, obviously, to try and sack him, but also pressure on the inside is important because you don't want Josh Allen to be able to step into his throws like that. So, you know, you, Sean... Great points. The secondary's got to be on their game. But the front seven does, too, because if you allow Josh Allen just a bunch of time in the pocket, as good as the secondary can be, you can only stick with receivers for so long until somebody gets open. And as repeated multiple times by the coaches, Allen can find those guys. He can he can make any throw. So wherever those guys are open, you know, they, they say he can make it, and it looks like he can. And on the flip side, in the Oregon offense versus Wyoming defense matchup, Interesting little stat is Wyoming in the first two games. Total, they've only faced 22 pass attempts. Which is absolutely insane. Yeah, so Gardner-Webb so, only threw the ball seven times. Yeah, so their passing defense stats look pretty good, but they're not exactly facing teams that even pass it at all in Iowa and Gardner-Webb. 22 pass attempts. I believe they allowed somewhere around like 150 yards, 10 completions, but they also had three touchdowns. Uh, allowed three touchdowns on like 10 completions. So, and Iowa's quarterback, Gardner Webb's quarterback, nowhere near as good as Justin Herbert is. So, 
I think I was quarterback Nathan Steelen, eight eight for fifteen for one hundred and twenty five yards. Yeah, so don't I mean don't be surprised. Obviously, the strength of this Oregon offense is to run it, but don't be surprised if Justin Herbert and some of those young wide receivers are able to have have a big day because we they're just a big question mark. The Wyoming secondary is because. Because we haven't seen them in action, so it'll be curious to kind of see how they no attack really them. No one's seen them in action. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they haven't even seen themselves in action this well, year. That so. tape, there's 22, there's only 22 plays where they've actually yeah. seen tape. Yeah. Like, so it's a very small sample size. So we'll see. I mean, Herbert threw it like 25 times in the first half against yeah. Nebraska. It didn't have to throw it at all against Southern Utah, but he was on fire in the first half. So if if that's the passing attack we see against Wyoming, then Wyoming is done. They're doomed. Yeah. But they do have a quality defense. They do have a quality pass rush. They're turning eight defensive guys from a season ago in a defense that averaged close to three sacks a game, which is which is pretty nuts. So before we get into predictions, don't want to give away your true predictions, but you know what is – a lot of people thought this would be kind of a sneaky, tough game. Gus, I know Guilty. you did. Yeah, no, yeah I, I, I did definitely too. had this. Well. I yeah. definitely had this uh, in my in my preseason prediction. I had this as a loss, and doing a bit more research Whoa. and seeing them after. I did. I definitely did. Yeah. Uh, but after doing a bit more research and seeing them after two games, I'm gonna have to change that prediction. But I will. Yes. I'll save the final. Yes. Yes. Save, save the true prediction for the end. But where does this sort of uh, fit now in your eyes in terms of uh, a competition? I mean, I think the Ducks overall have probably looked a little better than some might have expected it through two games. Wyoming, not exactly, you know, didn't have a great game against Iowa and then beat up a Gardner-Webb team, an FCS Gardner-Webb team. So where does this kind of fit? Has this shifted in any way? Do you feel, how does this game feel two games in a season instead of at the season preview? I've got to say that Oregon has to look at it like it's a big game regardless of the fact that they're playing really good football. Wyoming's playing all right football, I guess they would say. I mean, the game against Iowa, that's also just the early season jitters getting out. I'm not sure how much of that plays a role, but Oregon has to be confident, and they're definitely confident. I don't think they're lacking that, but the it's a tough test for sure. I think every game's a tough test on your schedule after Southern Utah, but... I think it's less of a test than maybe, like Gus is saying, less of a test than what we may have thought at the start of the season. Josh Allen's going to be a test, I think, regardless. But is his receiver core good enough to go up against a pretty decent secondary for Oregon so far? It's pretty decent. But I don't know if that's that's a problem for Josh Allen's offense, but for the Ducks, I think there's a lot of confidence going into this one. So... I think the fact that it's Josh Allen just gets them even more excited because they they go, hey, if I'm a defensive player and I can rough them up a little bit, scouts are going to see that. And it, it's just as big of a game for them as it is for Josh Allen to show his worth. Sean, is, uh, is Tiger on the hot seat if, uh, if, if Oregon loses this game? I don't think Tiger's on the hot seat for another 18 months. <laughs> That's it? Only 18 months? I mean, seems like you don't know. They might, they might go four and uh, three. And, they could end the season, what, two and whatever? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where this hot seat thing is going <laughs> You I started to clarify. Okay. I didn't anyway. start it. The word hot seat anyway. never came out of my mouth during that podcast. Anyway, I don't know. I think this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, I think what this game will, kind of, will, will serve to do uh, you know, the most is give Oregon a test of 
what, you know, what good quarterback play is going to be like. I mean, kind of as Sean alluded to earlier, you know, they, uh, Oregon does play against Josh Rosen this year. Jake uh, Browning. Jake Browning. Maybe was, Luke Falk. Luke Falk's yeah, maybe been Luke injured. Falk. I mean... There's 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 a there's a long list. Yeah. So, but that's kind of my point. Is is like I think this will serve as a good preview of of you know how Oregon you know reacts and how they play against a you know a quarterback who's you know has a good arm and is accurate and is could be you know is potential NFL caliber. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think I mean, like we've kind of also said too is you know the, the receiving core is not that good, but I but I still think that going up against a playmaker like Josh Allen is going to be the biggest test, and I think it'll be the biggest takeaway is kind of seeing how Oregon's defense reacts to that. I don't think they're – I mean, I think Oregon's going to win this one pretty handily. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think it'll just be really interesting to kind of see uh, just how Oregon's defense reacts to playing, a, you know, a legit quarterback like uh, like Allen. Yeah, time to put our money where our mouth is. Oregon, a 14-point favorite, actually kind of similar to what – uh, Oregon, Nebraska, Oregon was favored by against Nebraska around this this time during last week, but I'll, I'll start. I'll, I'm obviously going to take Oregon straight up. I think that's that's pretty hard to dispute. Um, but I'm going to take Oregon uh, on the points as well. I think they win by more than 14. I think it's a, a pretty easy victory for them. Um, they go up there, whatever is is or isn't in the atmosphere at 7,000 feet above sea level uh, doesn't matter because there is a big difference in talent between these two teams. Nice. So, nice. <laughs> I see what you did there. That was nice. Yeah, thanks. So I've got Oregon and and the points as well. Um, would like to point out I was Oregon last week, but Nebraska on the points, so currently 1-0 and leading this podcast. Um, oh, yeah, because, yeah, you're, you're keeping track of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah um, course. <laughs> hey, I mean, if Aiden Schneider had made that one field goal, I, you, hey. you wouldn't be talking about this. But did he? I, I did say Oregon by 21, Matt, so I got You that. were, hey, I was looking pretty bad at halftime, so. That's uh, that's true. So, that's true. So, so we shall see at halftime of this one what's happening. Final score, Jack. Final score. Final score, oh, goodness. Um, 55 to... To ten. Wow. Um, but wow. I, yeah, sure. Wow. I'll just do that out there. I, but fifteen or more. <laughs> fifteen or more, for sure. Sean. Um, what? What first? I say Oregon covers the spread. They 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 get the points. They win the game. Fifty-five ten is your prediction. I'm gonna say they don't even score a touchdown. Uh, six for Wyoming. Oregon gets the forty-two again. No, two weeks in a row, forty-two. Uh, I'm gonna, um, I think I'm going to give Wyoming a little bit more credit. I'm going to say, uh, let's see, 48, Oregon 48, Wyoming 17. I still think that will be a blow, but I'm going to, I'm going to give a couple touchdowns. We shall touchdowns. revisit this in one week. Thank you for listening to a podcast shoot to be named later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll have just, a name. One of these we will have a name next week. Maybe. It's about Oregon football, though. So, <laughs> Thank you for listening. For Gus Morris and Sean Meadow, I am Jack Butler. We will be back next week to review that Wyoming game and then preview the upcoming Arizona State game. Uh, you can keep it right here for more from the Emerald Podcast Network. Thank you very much. Thank you.